Welcome to the North Church Women's Bible Study Podcast. And this is our last lesson in this study, Jesus' Portraits of Our Precious Savior. Lesson 10, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And on the podcast today, I have a very special guest with me, Beth Nordquist. Beth, will you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Beth, and I have the great privilege of being Pam's administrative assistant here at the North Church. We've been working together for about seven years, and it's been a sweet and amazing privilege. Um, it's a great job. I love it. I love working with Pam, and uh, it's just been a tremendous blessing to me. It's been a blessing having you, Beth, and I cannot begin to tell you all how much Beth does behind the scenes that you're probably not aware of. Um, Beth helps from everything from editing the workbook to promoting the study, the graphics, the prom promotion, helps me with the emails that, I mean, it just goes on and on, Beth, the things that you do. But one thing that the Wednesday morning gals might know is that Beth helps with getting all the workbooks out and just make sure everything is set up in the morning and also helps to lead our singing. This morning we started with crown him with many crowns before we prayed and we started and it was a beautiful time of worshiping together. Mm -hmm. So Beth, could I ask if you would pray as sure. we start? I'd be glad to. Oh, Father, what is man that you are mindful of him? Uh, it, the more we look at your glory and your greatness, the more amazed I am that you're not only mindful of us, but you love us and you care tenderly for us and you bear with us and you welcome us and so I pray that we will rejoice in that and that you will give us eyes to see you as you are so that our hearts will love you above all things in Jesus name amen amen well as we arrive at this last lesson it's kind of like hitting the end of a journey where we've been hiking up a mountain and we finally get to this vista and it's just it's glorious and we started this journey way back in September when we asked who is the king of glory and this comes from Psalm 24 verses 7 through 10 lift up your heads O gates and be lifted up O ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. And who is this King of Glory? That's a question we asked throughout the study that we did in the fall. And we had clues that we looked at. And we unpacked mysterious codes and things like yeah. that throughout the Old Testament. And so it was beautiful to see various pointers and glimpses of this King of Glory. Mm -hmm. Like one of them was when King David brought the ark into the city of Jerusalem with shouting and celebration. And they asked, thought well could this be the one right and over and over they looked for that I think Sharice called it the Eden reboot yes and it just it wasn't David wasn't that forever king mm -hmm. and so then the prophet Zechariah said rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout daughter of Jerusalem see your king comes to you righteous and having salvation gentle and riding on a donkey on a coal the foal of a donkey. And we just celebrated. Yes. You know, the Palm Sunday that mm -hmm. these words, you know, Hosanna, 
they, they were cheering as Jesus rode into Jerusalem to take his rightful place. It was beautiful as we celebrated here at the North Church. Mm-hmm. We had almost 140 children. It was amazing to see. Yeah, very sweet. Waving those palm branches. Well, in lesson two, we studied Jesus as the Messiah, the son of David, that he wasn't who the Jews expected. Mm. They supposed that he would be the Messiah that would be overthrowing the Romans and set up right that kingdom. Yep. Right here and now. But of course, we even talked about this yesterday. That Jesus said, This kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. Right. It's, you know, there was, he never had any intentions of setting up a throne here and overthrowing the Romans. But, you know, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, were really threatened by him, even though that wasn't his intention. But again and again, we saw in the New Testament how Jesus was proclaimed to be king. Uh, When Jesus called the disciples, Nathanael said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And then, of course, Pilate places the notice on the cross. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And then we also see in Acts, we've looked at this uh, in a previous lesson, how Peter boldly proclaims that this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And so Jesus did fulfill part of his messianic role according to God's plan to deliver his people from sin by going to the cross. But there's a sense in which he will ultimately mm-hmm. you know, fulfill that in the last day, that he's coming again. He will bring a kingdom to earth. Yes, he didn't come the first time to bring an earthly kingdom, but he will bring a new heaven and a new earth. It is coming. Yeah. And it's even more glorious because he's not just king of the Jews. Right, right. He is king of all kings and lord of all lords. It's such a wide scope that every knee will bow. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just really precious as we have looked at so many names and titles of Jesus from the Gospels, through the letters of the New Testament, we've seen a lot of precious portraits. But here in Revelation, we just, it's like we see this we run out of adjectives to describe. Just glorious. Amazing. Um, awesome. Unimaginable. I, I still have my sticky notes from last week. <laughs> I, I realized that in, in doing this podcast that so often I would just stop and say, that is just so beautiful. Where mm-hmm. that tended to be my go-to adjective all the time because... It's so true. Right. It is beautiful, but it's hard to just, we just don't have words right. to just comprehend the breathtaking nature of the salvation that we've been given. So let's dive in here to see more of these titles that are in Revelation. And these titles refer to his role in the last days, and mm-hmm. scholars refer to this as eschatology. Um, and it's a study of these last days. And so on page Uh, We're starting on page uh, 159 and 161 in our lesson. And in the workbook, um, you were all instructed to mark words like kingdom, rule, reign, eternal dominion. And so we're going to go through many of these texts. But as I was thinking about this, 
I was noticing how many times that there is another word in these texts here that jumped off the page at me, and that is the word glory mm. was mentioned in many of these. And I didn't, I didn't write this with this in mind, because I didn't have you mark glory, did right. I? Right. It wasn't in there. But I thought we really should, if we're studying the king of glory, why not unpack this word, right. glory? Right. So I kind of embarrassed the in-person classes. And I, <laughs> and I said, would anyone like to take a stab at defining glory? And you could attest there was pretty much silence in the room. There was one yes. brave soul that, that had a really good definition. And I didn't hear what she said. Well, she said basically what the, the definition that John Piper gave. It's just a, the, it's the, it's the infinite beauty and greatness mm. of God's mm. attributes, his manifold perfections. But initially, the quote that I read from John Piper said, defining the glory of God is impossible. Right. It's like that word beauty. You, you can't, you can't quantify it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you see something beautiful, you point to it and you say, see that? Yeah. That's beautiful. And that's what we do with glory. Mm -hmm. It's a little harder to quantitatively define. But I wanted to take a little bit of a, a review or a journey of going through the things that we've learned throughout the fall and even back in Exodus. And I'm just kind of calling it the glory thread here. And starting in Exodus, well, here, oh, here's the definition. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and the greatness of God's manifold perfections. And so that's what we're going to trace here is the glory of God, starting in Exodus. So this is a little bit of a red herring. Is that what we call it, Beth? As I, as I kind of, I'm, I'm veering away from Revelation a little bit by going all the way back to Exodus. Not a red herring. Okay. A tangent. A tangent. A tangent. So, but well, what, when the people of Israel were delivered by Yahweh, by the Lord at the Red Sea, Moses and Miriam sang song there, the song of Moses. And that was referenced in Revelation. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, it actually does tie together. And this is the kinds of things that they said. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Here we have that connection to his forever kingship. Mm -hmm. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. It's a song I learned growing up, yes. even to music to that. It's, it's a wonderful picture of God's glory as he revealed himself in deliverance. And then after the people are in the, prom or not in the promised land, but they're wandering in the wilderness, they grumble, they have no food. But God not only provides food, but when they look toward the wilderness and behold, they saw the glory of the Lord. that mm. led them throughout those years which is a beautiful thing for them. The glory of God appears as both a cloud and a fire, it says, and the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. So there's this connection with the cloud and light that are themes yes. that we've seen throughout the study. Yeah. And just the, the mighty works of God. Mm -hmm. and the glory in those yeah. mighty things yeah. that he did yeah. on behalf of Israel. Mm -hmm. Over and over, in spite mm -hmm. of their failures and grumbling, mm -hmm. he delivered them again and again and again. It's, it's astounding, really. 
And then we remember that when Moses asked God, show me your glory. And God says, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. It's amazing. But, you know, Paul gets at this in his letter to Timothy as well, where he talks about God who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. But the good news is, throughout this study, we've seen that God has revealed himself to us in his glory in Jesus. Yes. And so that's the, the next place where we're going here is Jesus' glory. And we saw in lesson one that Jesus came as a baby and that precious name that we celebrate at Christmas, that he's with us, that he is Emmanuel. And John 1 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. His glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I, that has to be another one of my favorite verses. It is. It, I, I gave sent Christmas cards one year that said, um, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And had oh. a picture of a little house and light shining out of it. And it was just a, such a sweet picture of Jesus coming mm -hmm. and living among us. Um, so personal. Mm -hmm. And I love just that he's full of both grace and truth. Yes. It's, which is astounding. Um, just being the God of all truth and knowing how flawed and twisted our own hearts are, much grace is required mm -hmm. in order for there to be relationship. He doesn't let it all go because he's, he's full of truth as well. And yes. so being the way, the truth, and the life, he enters in and he shows us mm. and, he, and, he, and he takes us and he, he transforms us. Yes. He, he sanctifies us by his word and by the truth. And it's, it's just a beautiful story of mm. not letting us stay in that right place because right. of his grace for us. So let's go on and talk about just in the life of Jesus, how his miracles and his ministry really showed his glory. His first miracle, turning the water to wine in Cana, John 2.11 actually says, he manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. And I thought, this is like his glory just kind of bubbling over and spilling mm. out. In addition to that good wine that he made. Yeah. It's, it was beautiful that he shows who he is revealing his glory to them, and they believed in him. Over and over, he does that in his ministry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he gave his disciples a glimpse of his glory also at the transfiguration, which was amazing. I can't imagine what that must have been like right. for them. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the idea, and this was in Lesson 8, where Jesus told Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life, and as he's about to raise Lazarus, he said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Yep. 
And that was his ultimate purpose in it, that they mm. would see him and know him. They would see his glory. And so he delayed coming and all, well, that was lesson eight. We, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's just, uh, I, I like the way these all tie together here. Mm -hmm. I think of when he calmed the storm. I, what's interesting to me is both the Israelites and the disciples would see the glory of God displayed in various ways and be amazed and astounded. And you would think this would be a forever change, mm -hmm. but, but then they would kind of grow dull mm -hmm. and are always surprised again the next time <laughs> that God shows his glory. And so he would feed the 5,000 mm -hmm. and they'd be astounded. But the next time you're hungry, they don't know what to do. Yeah. And when, when he does calm the storm, they're, they're just... You, you get that sense of awe that falls on yeah, them again. They're terrified. This is mm -hmm. the Son of God. Mm -hmm. and we're yet, slow. <laughs> yeah, we're not anything like that, are we? No. <laughs> oh, we're, we're so dull-hearted. Yeah, we are. But praise God, he sent Jesus for us. Amen. To take us out of Amen. that. Amen. All right, let's look at just the glory of, of Jesus in his death and resurrection. You know, shortly after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he set his face, he went to Jerusalem, and for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. Mm -hmm. We learned that last week in Hebrews. And then he prays for his disciples in John 17 in the upper room. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. His going to the cross was all about that. I mean... He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. We get this just magnificent, stunning view of Jesus and the Father and their mm -hmm. plan here. Mm -hmm. Plan for Jesus to glorify the Father. And then we see this. I know we've mentioned this close to probably every week, but we this is one of my favorite verses that uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, that it, is, that it is God who shines in our hearts to take those blinders off of our eyes. And that's exactly what those followers on the road to Emmaus needed. Because the text says here, it says that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Mm -hmm. So they needed to have this done. But he explained to them the, all the things that were going on. He said, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? He had this plan. He knew that's what he was doing. But slowly, they're seeing the picture yeah. of what's going on here. So last week in Lesson 9, we saw this idea of Jesus being the radiance of the glory of God. The writer of Hebrews says, and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power i'm just i'm amazed every time i read this in hebrews 2 9 but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels namely jesus crowned with glory and honor because you see that with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of god he might taste death for everyone so Jesus coming to do this, he receives that crown of glory. 
and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess at some point that he is Lord. We're moving on here. We're looking at the coming glory. Uh, in lesson two, we pondered the glory associated with the Son of Man, where uh, a title that Jesus used nearly 80 times to refer to himself. But we go back to Daniel, and this is on page 159. We're still on one page 59 of the lesson here. <laughs> yeah. We haven't gotten too far, but... Anyway, this would you like to read that passage for us, Beth? Daniel 7, 13 through sure. 17. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. I love the words here that describe the extent mm -hmm. of his dominion. There's no question. Right. There's going to be no regime change here. Mm -hmm. It's Now, this will be fulfilled at the second coming of Christ when he comes in the clouds. We see this here with the clouds of heaven. There came one like the Son of right. Man. But there are other passages that talk about this as well, like in uh, Isaiah 40, uh, verse 5, which is on page 160 of the lesson, that, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. All flesh. I mean, there's going to be nobody that is not going to see and right. know. And that For mm -hmm. the mouth of the Lord has spoken and if the mouth of the lord has spoken it will be it will take place no question yes and then we have a couple others here that uh, we looked at from matthew uh, 16 and uh, talking about how when when jesus as a son of man he's going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and it talks about it being coming from the lightning that's you know, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. And then Matthew 24, there will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. This is, I mean, I think we can hardly comprehend what that day will be, but from the sounds of it, it's going to be very glorious, although probably a little scary at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People like, are yeah. going to hope the rocks will fall on them. I mean, it's definitely going to be both, and it's going to depend on, do we know Jesus or not? Yeah. Is he our Lord? Is it do? Do we long for his coming? Or do we think he's not coming and we're going to be blindsided and terrified? We cry out, Lord, have mercy. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Help us to see and help our help our friends and our family Amen. and our you know acquaintances that, that don't know you to be able to see you. And so now we are finally arriving at the book of Revelation and on page... Uh, 161 asked the question about how Revelation begins and what's being revealed here. This truly is 
sweet passage. I think it's encouraging on so many levels for us to be able to actually read this book and to try to understand it. It's scary. It's confusing. <laughs> yes. There's so many things that we probably can't know what exactly. certain images mean, you know, actually you're referring to. But are there places, verses in here that stick out to you as particularly encouraging or helpful? Just that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I, I think in two ways, the revelation who Jesus Christ is being revealed to us in this word. And this is the manner in which Jesus Christ is going to be revealed to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and it, it, the pictures are give you goosebumps. They, they do. You know, there's, there's warning, there's uh, even maybe some chiding, you know, some sure. of the seven churches, oh, sure. the, the words to them. But there is a, there's kind of a promise here, and that is that blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So that should be encouragement to us to, if we haven't studied Revelation, to study it a little more. And I, I did tell the class uh, in person, I said, you can ask all the questions you want, but I'm no expert on Revelation. <laughs> but it's okay to ask questions and to try to dig for some of those answers. And so if there's outstanding questions that any of you have as you are you know, studying, feel free to reach out to me by email and I can try to look for uh, an answer. I would also just say that there's, I would encourage you for a resource, uh, Nancy Guthrie's uh, latest book that is out is called Blessed, Experiencing the Promise of the Book of Revelation. And it really is not a, well, I shouldn't say it's not scholarly. It, it is, she's done a marvelous job, but it's not like a word by word commentary with lots of fancy language. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be understood and enjoyed and um, just so that you would just fall in love with uh, these words of Jesus. And the, the description of this book is that it covers the full text of the book of Revelation, exploring its call to patient endurance as God's sovereign plans for judgment and salvation are worked out in the world. And she wrote this, this book shows that Revelation is less about when Jesus will return and more about who we are to be, what we are to do, and what we can expect to endure as we wait for mm. Jesus to return to establish his kingdom in the new creation. Mm. So I think so often we're tempted to read the book of Revelation and want to pinpoint timing of this sure. and that. And right. Next year at, you know, on July 4th, if you stand on this mountain, this is when it's going to all happen. And that's not why the book was written. Right. It's a book to show us more of Jesus. And so let's dig into some of these titles that we see of King Jesus in uh, Revelation as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you see this on page 162 and 163 is where we're at right now, I think. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So I put some of these texts up here and... I don't know if I mentioned the beginning of this podcast for all of you that are still listening, but Beth and I haven't scripted this. We're, <laughs> we're just enjoying a conversation. So 
Beth, tell me what were some things that that stood out to you that that you learned as you read these passages? Well, right out of the gate in Revelations one four, grace to you and peace from Him who is and mm -hmm. who was and who is to come. Um, so, so here we have the revelation of this glorious Christ, mm -hmm. and the invitation and the gift is grace and peace from him. It, it's amazing and tender and comforting and hopeful. Uh, it's a sweet and beautiful thing. Sweet is my word, beautiful. It's your word, but put them together. <laughs> what well, is? I think that it goes on to him who loves yes. us yeah. and has freed us from our sins by his blood. We studied the blood of Jesus mm -hmm. in our last lesson. And so I think this is a really, uh, it's sweet. It's yes. beautiful. It's, yes. a, it's a great tie-in to all that we've studied already, that because of his love for us, he has redeemed us. He has freed us. And he is making us a kingdom and priests, which is mind-blowing mm -hmm. as well. I think in, it's Revelation 15, 3, where we have that tie-in to the Song of Moses, uh, which could be either Exodus 15, which are the verses that I put up, or there's also, I think it's Deuteronomy 32, where we see that as well, because really great and amazing are his deeds. Mm -hmm. I was also really struck just thinking about the Revelation 17, 14, they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer, conquer them, them, for he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And uh, as I think about our culture and all the ways that our culture is making war on him, yes. and how hopeless it feels sometimes to see the way that things are going, um, and that just the outrageous things that are being forced down our throats and threatening our families and just to be reminded that they're not going to win. Mm -hmm. Jesus will not will. be erased mm -hmm. and his ways won't be erased. He will conquer. He is going to conquer and we don't know the timing, but he will conquer. And we can trust him. Yes. And isn't it encouraging? This verse goes on to say, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Mm. That's a beautiful picture yes. of who we are under King Jesus. Anything else before we move on? I mean, I just think it is incredible that he will reign forever and ever mm. and ever. Yeah. And, and the, the, that there will be no other kingdoms. There will be one kingdom and one ruler. So there will be no conflicts and no wars and no, well, this is your cultural way of doing things and this is our cultural way of doing things. There will be one way and we will all love it. We yeah. won't chafe under it. We will love it. Yeah. The Lord God will be their light. Mm. Reign forever and mm -hmm. ever. And I think we were just encouraged on Sunday when Pastor John Nellon spoke from Proverbs just about this idea of having Jesus be the king in your life. I don't think he used the king language, but the sovereignty yes. of God as we were going through trials 
and difficulties in our life to realize he has that plan for our lives here and now and is sovereign over them and Mm. we can trust him through it. It is so Mm. comforting to know that King Jesus does love us yes, and he has a plan for us. Yeah, he's in control of he all of He's in control, it. every bit of it. All right, let's move on here to Revelation 1.8. This is on page 164 of the lesson. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. And so we see these kind of three different titles kind of all in one verse and it starts with I am, which is familiar since we mm-hmm. studied all the I am statements that are in the Gospel of John. But in this section, we underlined and highlighted things like Alpha, Omega, first and last, beginning and end. And Beth, do you have anything that you'd like to share with us that you... Well, the Revelation 1, 17 and 18, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. So here it is again. The mighty, glorious King of glory says, Fear Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. And here's why we fear not. Mm -hmm. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Um, I, I really was struck through all these passages how he goes back to... I died and rose again. I died mm-hmm. and came alive. This is important. This is central. Um, and it's what buys our rescue mm-hmm. is that he died and rose again. Mm-hmm. And it's where all our hope is. Yes. If not for his death and his, and his resurrection. Right. As we, a few couple of weeks ago, we talked about how, I mean, our faith is futile. Right. It's dead. Right. We are all to be pitied. Right. If Jesus is not resurrected. So all of this does hinge on, on him being that living one. And that's, that's another title that we come to later on, too. Sure. We use that one, the living one. Yeah. The other thing I guess I wanted to point out here was that it might be confusing for, for someone to think, well, if he's the first and the last, mm. what about what's in between? <laughs> and this, this is actually a Hebrew way of saying it, it, it's all-encompassing. Yes. From the beginning to the end, it, it's all. He is, he is everything. He he encompasses it all. He he makes all things new. I mean, there's so much beautiful truth in these mm-hmm. verses right here. Um, and write these down for these words are trustworthy and true. Yes. We can trust him. The other the other tie-in that I saw to. Uh, one of the lessons that we had earlier this in the lesson on when Jesus said to the woman at the well in John mm-hmm. 3, he said, I have living water. And this is what he says here, too. He says, yeah. to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That harkens back to Isaiah 55. Yes. Come, eat, drink. No money needed. Yeah, it's free. It's incredible. Yeah. So I like the uh, the bookends that are here as well, because in Revelation one, we have this idea of 
you know, the Alpha and Omega, in our, you know, the verse that we have up here. Mm-hmm. And then in Revelation 22, the very last, we have that again. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So we see a, it's really what he's accomplishing something literary here too as well. Yes. Not only yes. saying he's the Alpha and Omega, but look, I'm going to write it and put the book like this. Yes. <laughs> okay. The Lord God Almighty. This, the title Lord occurs 24 times in the 22 verses in the book of Revelation. So this is a very uh, much used title here for Jesus, the Lord. And not all of these verses that I put in here are relating to Jesus specifically, Mm -hmm. but some of them refer to God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit here. I can't help but hear the words of the Messiah ringing through Mm -hmm. many of these Mm -hmm. verses here. I think these are some of the most glorious verses that we have in the book of Revelation that he is worthy of all glory, that he has created all things. He has such great power, his great and amazing deeds. Mm-hmm. Well, even just the picture of the four living creatures, all day and all night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the yeah. Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they can't stop saying it. Mm-hmm. They just keep saying yeah. it. And I and I, I just you know, we can't imagine what that's gonna look like or what that's gonna sound like, but I imagine that as a as uh I can't think of a, an adjective for the quality of sound, just a huge fill the universe sound. Holy, 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 what is that gonna sound like? Um we can only begin to scratch the surface to right. imagine. Right. The, the the spectacular one. It just we do. We run out of words in yeah. the English language yeah. to to imagine what that will all be. But the fact that you know all you know people from every tribe and tongue and mm-hmm. nation will be there gathered around the throne and singing together and praising Him is one of the most beautiful pictures that we can ever imagine and there's no temple in the city for its Mm -hmm. temple is the lord the almighty and the lamb no light needed anymore i think we want to pray revelation 22 come lord jesus amen and that is that's definitely our prayer as we see the world Mm -hmm. around us as it's Apart. I just found in Revelation 19.6, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like mm. the sound of mighty peals of thunder, mm. crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Makes me really want to let loose in worship on Sunday. Yes. If we think we're too timid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mentioned this this morning in class, too, the fact that just I have found my worship just, exploding from my heart as we sing these songs that have these names of Jesus now Mm -hmm. that we have studied and we've unpacked so that as we sing a name, there are these echoes of the scriptures Mm -hmm. and the unpacking of his name and his nature that come with that, that are just so much more meaningful to me after having spent some time 
just pondering them and praying and reading and mm -hmm. over and over. It's, it's just very wonderful. And I just think that these verses should also spur us on to try to share the gospel with someone. Uh, I had a challenge question there on page 167. Question 11, how could you share the gospel with a friend using the verses, uh, these verses from Revelation that we studied? And how is the name of the Lord Jesus related to salvation? And there's, there's probably many that could stand out, but just even, you know, Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, yes. he is the Lord, he is, he is God. Mm. He is he is not some simple teacher, preacher, right? That we can just say, "Oh, he had great teachings," but he is the Lord, right? I have someone in my life that's struggling and not believing, and um, and and because she's not believing, she's not believing in um, the truths of Scripture about how we should live. And the, the, what always comes back is, well, I think this. Mm -hmm. And so the, the basis for what's right in her mind is what's in my heart? What do I think? What sounds good to me? What sounds right to me? And, and God's word tells us my heart is deceitful. My heart isn't the place to look for what's true. And I, I, what were you just saying? That, that made me think of that, that yeah. there is a God. And he made us, and he sustains us, and everything that is, is because of him. So to say that, well, you made and, and sustain everything, but I'm going to tell you how it ought to be, is outrageous. It is. And yet that is one of the most common things that we hear from right. people that, right. well, if I was God, I wouldn't do it like this or this or this or this. Yes. Because they want to be yes. God. Yes. Telling him how he should have set up the world. Right. Mm -hmm. But we are told that the ultimate posture of every person will not be right. that kind of an attitude telling God what he should have done. I, I love that picture that when Jesus does come back, no one's going to be arguing anymore. Mm -hmm. They're going to know. Mm -hmm. it, devastatingly, yes. they're yes. going to know. Yes. Yep. And, and it's beautiful and terrifying. And especially for those that we have in our lives that we love so much. We just, we want to, we want to just plead with them. Open your eyes. See Jesus for who yes. he really is. And that, you know, he has that name that is above every name. Because ultimately every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he Amen. is Lord. Amen. To the glory of the Father. And so Please do it now. Yes. My, please yes. acknowledge him now. And Father, please give them eyes to see. Yes. All right. Let's look at the next one here, which is, uh, I am the living one. Mm. And this is on page 168. We're really moving along here. The verse that we had down was, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one from Revelation 118. So there are probably other verses that come to mind about Jesus being the living one, since we spent one whole lesson on yes. Jesus being 
Well, know? and many of the passages that we were just reading. Yeah. Because I died and live again. And I am living. Yes. And he is the living water. He is the bread of life. So many of his and titles. He lives really. to intercede for us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, the resurrection is so important because without it, we're hopeless. Yes. Completely hopeless. No salvation. No advocate before the If father. he is still dead. But, praise God, he is alive. And he is also the called the Amen, the faithful and the true witness. <laughs> and uh, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen. Now, this is probably a little bit confusing. We, I don't think we know of anybody else that we call the Amen. No, but I, I think, you know, as I think back to the fall study, as we looked at all the prophecies, all that God mm -hmm. promised, all that God promised, all that God promised mm -hmm. is fulfilled in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's how he's the amen. Yeah. He's the answer. He's the yes. All God's promises are yes, yes and amen, amen. Mm -hmm. in Christ. Yeah. yeah. And so when Jesus fulfilled everything that he set out to do and said, it is finished. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, that is, yes. it is done. It is all accomplished. Never to have to go back and do again. Mm -hmm. No double jeopardy. Right. It is done. And he is also the faithful and true witness. And I mean, I think we've, we've seen the faithfulness of God throughout our study as we see yes. all the promises yeah. that have been fulfilled. But this idea of a faithful witness to mm. being, he has authentically, faithfully pointed us show us who God is. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Right. The exact imprint of his nature. There's nothing that we can see in Jesus and say, oh, that's not quite. Right. Right. Because he's everything. Yeah. Faithfully and truly. He is all of that. All right. The next one is the lion and then the lamb. And we didn't mm -hmm. spend a lot of time in lamb because we had a whole lesson on the lamb, which was back in lesson six. But let's talk about the lion a little bit here because Revelation 5, 5 says, one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And the context of that is they have the scroll and no one could open it and they're wailing like, what are we right, going to do? Right, right. But the lamb can do it. But you find anything ironic about this kind of imagery here? The I, it, it's stunning to me that the lion, the the mighty roaring lion, and the lamb are the same person. Yeah, Jesus perfectly embodies both the roaring, conquering lion and. The self-sacrificing, meek, humble lamb. It, it's just, you know, he, he had all that power with God in heaven, and he set it aside. And he came and was weak. But, but that very weakness and that very sacrifice is what conquered. He, he didn't become weak and then suddenly roar and... It was the weakness that conquered. God's ways are not our ways. They're not our ways. No. So it, it is just a staggering 
contrast. But he's both. But he's both. Because yeah, he's that willing, perfect sacrifice. Yeah, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah has can open the scroll and it's seven seals, and I can't find the passage right now, but then who goes who's who goes and takes the scroll but the lamb? You know, the lamb in Revelation is is seen as that lamb of sacrifice who was slain but now risen and standing in yes. a position of victory. Yes. He is victorious, he has conquered, and one day then will come in wrath and judgment. And you know, when I was thinking about this idea of the lion too, I realized that, you know, it's often in scripture, Satan is portrayed as the lion. Mm. You know, he's the hmm. roaring lion yes. who prowls around, yes. seeking See. whom he can devour. But in the context, the whole context of Scripture, you have Satan who is this lion. But really, Jesus is king. He is over all. He is over Satan. And this Satan is, is, is bound. He's like on a leash, only this far and no farther. Right. That's all you can do. Yes. I am, I am sovereign over yes. everything that you get permission to do. You see that in the book of Job. And so you see Satan being leashed, but you see Jesus, the lion, who is, you know, he's on the throne. Right. He is right. in charge. All right, let's move along to a couple more that we have left here. And the next is the Word of God. And we saw this, I think I already read the verse earlier in our conversation from John 1, that he is that, he is that Word, mm -hmm. that, that yeah. is the Word made flesh. So this next one, Judge, is one that, for me, was really beautiful here. And I think I wish I would have put an image on the slide. I forgot to do that. But uh, the image that you have in your workbook there is one that I don't know if you noticed the imagery that she put in here with the word judge. I thought was beautiful. And I didn't see it right away when she submitted this to us. But it's got a shepherd's crook there. Yeah, it has. And that goes along with a verse from Matthew 25 that you have there on page 171. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. There's two more mentions of glory again if we mm -hmm. wanted to keep tracing that, that theme. But before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So Jesus, our good shepherd, that we talked about in, I can't re remember what lesson that is, but he is faithful and true and just, and he will judge perfectly mm -hmm. and righteously. And he didn't fulfill this in his earthly ministry. He didn't come to as a judge. Yes. He came to seek and to save the lost, but he will be that final judge. And that this is a scary aspect, I think, of the book of Revelation. But yeah, the definitely, warnings. Definitely. It'll be a fixed day. I found it helpful what you pointed out in the workbook about um, how in Bible days, the king was also the judge. He was the ultimate judge. He was the Supreme Court justice that the highest cases came to him. Um, it, it helped me to understand Jesus as the judge and the king together. That that's, mm -hmm. Those aren't distinct roles in the Bible. Yeah. 
Yeah, because because we have distinct roles yes. in the government yes. in our country. Right. We have a president, we have the Supreme Court. Right. They sometimes don't match up and Yeah. But yeah. here here it is one person yeah. who is the, the king and the judge. Yep. And he judges justly. And he judges justly. And then we're mm -hmm. back to the fact that nobody's gonna argue. And there mm -hmm. the people say now that it's not fair. God does X, Y, and Z, but no one will say that when he returns. All right, we are nearing the end here of our lesson. Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. This might be one of the lesser known mm -hmm. titles of Jesus here, but when I hear bright morning star, I have, I have old hymns running through my head and stuff of, you know, Jesus being called this. Do you have any thoughts on this uh, idea that he is our, our bright morning star? I mean, immediately that comes to mind is the one that we've talked about, that he is the radiance of the glory of God. Yes. Yes. And in that sense, he is, he is shining forth. I believe in the fall, we also, well, at the beginning of this lesson, too, we had Numbers 24, that passage, Balaam's prophecy where he says, uh, I behold him, but not near, a star shall come yes, out of Yes, a star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Yeah. So it's a fulfillment of prophecy, yes. this title here. And the, the root and the descendant of David is also that. I think you see the, the root coming out of the stump as being, you know, a, a stump of a tree that you think is yeah. dead. And, oh, behold, it's not. There is there's something new. Right. Coming out, there's another a green shoot. Yeah, I think the star, because the star was so used in prophecy, and because it was, you know, the, the wise men followed the star to Jesus, to me, it's an image mm -hmm. of hope. Yeah. It's, it's hope that God is going to fulfill his promises. And it's a morning star. It's coming at, after the end of a long night mm, of darkness. Yeah, and, and, yeah. It just struck me as we were talking right now, John 1, you know, he came, you know, he's, he's the light that comes into the world yes. and the people don't recognize right. him. They, they try to suppress the light, yes. but they can't. Right. He is right. still that. He is that light of the world. He is, he's even brighter yes. than our morning star. And so this is a, it's a sweet way to wrap up the mm -hmm. fact that he is, he is all of these things. He is, he is worthy of all of his names. I, I, again, I'll shout out a thank you to Linda for the beautiful artwork that she's done. Another beautiful piece is on page 174. And I just, I pray that all of you that are doing these lessons have been blessed mm -hmm. by that as, yeah. as we yeah. have. And I just pray that as we come to the end of our study that you truly are finding yourself loving Jesus more. And that you know, for, for all, all of you that are out there listening, that your hearts are just bursting with joy as, as you've seen picture after picture of who Jesus is in his glory, in his ministry, in all the manifold attributes mm -hmm. of who he is mm -hmm. in his titles, that you just, that you just love him more yeah. than when you started this journey. And I pray that, that you will be able to share. That's, we don't want to keep this all bubbled up inside, but there is a surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Yes. 
And I think that the more that we do taste and see that the Lord is good, the more naturally it does overflow into our conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, we can accumulate head knowledge, but it's easier to keep it to ourselves. But the more that we can meditate on these things and let them cause our hearts to soar, the more likely it is for that to overflow into our relationships with people. That's right. Well, I am just going to close by reading Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is that beginning and end, the Alpha and Omega. He is the Lord. And I just pray that as we uh, wrap up, that we will just continue to love Jesus more and treasure him in all of life as our mm-hmm. as our tagline here at the North yep. Church, that we want yes. to truly treasure him. Amen. The other way that you can get involved, those of you that are wondering what's next, is that we are going to be beginning a study of Proverbs, and I believe I have a slide here. It's called A Word to the Wise, Exploring the Proverbs. And Beth, do you want to tell a little bit about the details? Well, we're starting the first week in June, June 6th and 7th, for our Tuesday night and Wednesday morning classes. And we've got a beautiful team of writer teachers that are going to lead this summer on a variety of topics. So they're going to they're going to take an idea a category of ideas and dig up a whole bunch of proverbs about that and let's see what proverbs have to say um so yeah i think it's going to be a sweet helpful practical study yeah 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 yeah. and so just in case anyone is wondering it's in god's sweet providence that our summer study follows the sermon series that we're currently in on the book of proverbs and the, the intent is that they are going to preach through Proverbs 1 through 9, and that will end at the beginning of June. And so our study will, will continue, on, yeah. and we'll be asking the questions about these kind of various topics, yeah. kind of like what John Nowlin said at the beginning of the series, where he said, it's like you're standing at the North Shore, and you've got a beach full of all these rocks, and you don't know where to start. But what we're doing is we're collecting all the rocks pertaining to, like, say, finances or friendship or work. And we're putting these rocks together in one lesson. So these lessons are going to be created such that if you miss one due to vacation, it's okay. You're not going to fall behind. They're they're topical. Just come back the next week and join us again. Catch up when you can on what you missed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So more information will be coming out in the class email that we send out this week about... Proverbs, and we will likely send another mass email to... Once registration opens. Yeah, yeah. it'll be a couple more weeks maybe before that opens up. But just be... That'll be on on your calendar. Starts the June 6th and 7th. It'll go through the end of July and be done. So month of August, we'll be off to prepare. And what is going on for the fall? James. The book of James. That's right. We are going to be doing a study starting... uh, Mid early to mid September, and going through Thanksgiving on the Book of James. Yeah. So we are looking forward to that. I think that's all we have. We can call this a wrap. All right. Okay. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>